Welcome to Churches Planting Churches, a podcast on the theology and practice of church planting. I'm your host, Tony Morita. Planting healthy churches that will go on to plant other healthy churches is an immense task. It will require far more of us than we have in and of ourselves. Therefore, it's right that we feel the heavy weight of the task before us. But as church planters, we also have the propensity to function as though we can achieve this great task on our own. We tend to be highly driven, focused intently on the goal before us. And it's right and good that the glory of Jesus Christ be our motivation for planting healthy churches, churches where his gospel is proclaimed and lived out before a watching world. But our tendency to take matters into our own hands, attempting to shoulder the many burdens that come with planting a church, can be detrimental. It will have damaging effects on us as well as to our family and our church. In short, we church planters and pastors need to embrace our own limitations and walk with humble reliance on the living God. We must live out of our weakness and into Jesus's all-sufficient grace by the power of the Spirit. As Paul told Timothy, we must be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus if we are to be like disciplined athletes, committed soldiers, and hardworking farmers in the ministry. But how do we do this? I'm joined by my friend Kylam Lewis to discuss these things on the podcast. Kylam is the lead pastor of Life Center Church in North Lakes, which is just outside of Brisbane here in Australia. He's married to Carly, and they have four children. Kylam, welcome to the podcast. Great to be here, man. Did I get that uh, bio right? You did. Yeah, North Lakes. North Lakes. Yeah, we could be classified as still in Brisbane, but you know, uh-huh. Uh-huh. we're right at the north end of it. So. And that's where we're recording this podcast. This yeah. is my first trip to North Lakes, to Brisbane, to uh, Life Center Church. So it's good to be here, mate. Yeah. Oh, look at that. How was that? Mate, you, you're doing well. You've <laughs> got a bit of work to do on that one, but you, you're doing well. Now, how do you pronounce your wife's name again? I say Carly, uh-huh. you would probably say Carly. <laughs> but it has an R in it, right? It has an R. Uh, excellent. Or an R. How long have you been married to to Carly? Uh, <laughs> that's, that's not bad either. <laughs> uh, we've been married 16 years, 17 in uh, June. Okay. Yeah. 17 years. 17 years. Man. Yeah. So what's the secret, man? Uh, just don't be an idiot and <laughs> she will stay with you, you know? Yeah. yeah. Pick a winner. Yeah. Keep her happy as much as you can. Uh, no, she's great. She's awesome. Where did, where did you guys meet? Uh, we actually met in church. So a friend of mine uh, invited me to church, saw a girl with a red dress, thought I'd return. God saved me, ended up marrying that girl in, in the red dress. Are you serious? Yeah, dead serious. The red so, dress? Yeah. That's all it took? Yeah. Then the gospel? Yep. Eventually got me. So Now, um, I understand you, you were a big time basketball player, emphasis on past tense. Right? Yeah. And big, maybe not so much. Yeah. yeah. Like my basketball uh-huh. or basketball. Um, yeah, I love it. Played it since sort of junior levels of high school and all the way up to state. And yeah. And you were a four man power forward. I was. Yeah. The shortest power forward of all time. Yeah. But I had hops. Uh-huh. I, could, I could hold my own. Can you still dunk? I don't think so. I could still, I could still get close, I reckon. But no, yeah. I wouldn't be able to dunk. Now, do you play other inferior sports like uh, rugby <laughs> or uh, or soccer? Uh, soccer, yes. Mm-hmm. Not rugby. Yeah. No, I'm too skinny, too weak. I'm not masculine enough in our culture to be able to play those those sports, which is why I went to basketball. 
Now that that's a big thing though in Brisbane, right? Rugby. Yeah, rugby league's probably the biggest sport up here. Yeah, and in the younger younger age kids, soccer's in in the primary schools. Mm-hmm. This is the biggest playing now. Yeah, all the mums are getting scared. Hmm. So, so you've been married seventeen years. You have uh, four children. Yeah. How old? Uh, so Fletcher, my boy, is ten. Madison uh, is no, uh, nearly nine. Uh, Georgia is seven, and Keller is three. When you say Georgia, you're, you're done, there's no R on the end of that, right? It's Georgia. Yeah, right? Georgia. Uh-huh. Yep, love That's it. Correct. Love it. <laughs> you know, a lot of guys in the New York area have that that R on the end. Yeah, right. Uh, yeah, it's pretty cool. Really. Tell us about your church here in Brisbane. Uh, so our church is. Uh, North end of Brizzy, we're in um, sort of the suburban sort of area. Uh, we, different sort of church story. We didn't really church plant. Ours is more of a replant. So took over a church uh, from my parents. Uh, theologically, methodologically, really, really different. Um, and we kind of had a transition period that took about four years to kind of really go through and then kind of come to a bit of a headway as to, you know, which direction we're going to go. So ran about midway through 2014, sort of really got the reins of the church as to how we wanted to go. Uh, we then sort of started explaining that to the wider church and tried to help a lot of those people who didn't want to go in the direction to get plugged into other local churches. Um, and essentially we started again <clears throat> um, and with the goal to move into this region called North Lakes. Uh, so that was about an 18-month period of really just starting to plan that out. And we eventually got a space out here 2016. So we really replanted 2016 halfway through. Um, and then from there, I've just yeah sought to try and keep growing and keep being on mission, keep preaching mm. the gospel. Mm. And uh, three locations, finally in another one. And uh, you're sitting in, in, in the office slash children's room mm-hmm. of that of that church so yeah. yeah we're young we're just over 100 people um mostly young families young adults um and yeah enjoying it tell us a little bit about that theological development so you came out of more of a pentecostal uh background yep yeah so um you know for those listening probably would be thinking more that sort of bethel uh, sort of which spoke. is big up here right yeah really big on the on the north side particularly of, of brisbane uh, and just in my own times of being in our church, reading the Bible for myself, was just coming across different things and was asking a lot of questions. Um, but, you know, when I'd get the answers back from my parents or other Christian leaders, was like, okay, well, that, that, I guess that makes sense. Uh, and then eventually, really, I stumbled along some of Don Carson's stuff and Tim Keller's stuff, um, which was the first I'd ever read where it was like, ah, okay, this stuff exists out there. Mm-hmm. And maybe the way I'm reading scripture, maybe the way I'm understanding church, its mission, what our focus should be, maybe I'm not off. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there was a really big couple of year journey there of just really working through that. Then eventually, you know, you hear about John Piper, mm-hmm. you know, eventually Matt Chandler. Um, yeah, so it was just a big sort of journey of exploring, asking lots of questions. Initially thinking I was just weird and completely wrong to like, oh, there's a whole church world out there I've never even wow. seen, heard of, and yeah, yeah maybe I'm that not was, actually so crazy. <laughs> that was a big, a big jump. Yeah, a, it was a, really a big. A big change. Yeah. Uh, you brought your wife along with you uh-huh. in that journey, right? Yeah. What was that like? 
actually, sometimes she was really far ahead of me. Mm. Um, you know, particularly particularly things like the complementarian thing. Mm-hmm. Um, that was a that was a big shift for for us. My mum was the pastor of our church, the main teaching preaching person. Um, it took me a long time to really wrestle through what I believed to be true and the right way for things to be practiced in terms of eldership and preaching. My wife was there a year, 18 months well before me on that. Wow. Um, the gospel reform sort of soteriology, um, that was more me kind of leading that front and going, hey, I'm, I'm seeing these words. I think this is what they mean. I don't really understand that. Um, but together, I think uh, we really just landed on the love of the gospel and particularly in, interconnecting with Acts 29 mm-hmm. um, when she started coming on trips with me to conferences. She'd walk away and, and just say, I've never heard a bunch of people talk about Jesus and love Jesus more mm. uh, than that group of people. Yeah. So together, I think we we're pretty tight on, yeah. on that. And it was, yeah. Uh, yeah, it was great. And she loved it um, coming from her world. Uh, which was also Pentecostal. She just loved that focus on Jesus, the simplicity mm-hmm. of of mm-hmm. just that that gospel centrality. She loved it, so yeah. it wasn't really a hard journey for her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, did you connect with eight to nine guys in Australia uh, in, in, along the way? Yeah, a little bit. So, what we ended up doing was it was pretty new here. So, two thousand and nine was the first. Uh, I think they did a some small conference here. It might have been a a boot boot camp or something. Went to that. Uh, met David Fandy, who was at that time the, the regional director of Australia New Zealand. Um, connected with him, uh, connected with Jeff Vanderstelt, who spoke at that. Um, and then there was maybe four or five Australian guys. Um, and then, but it was small. So I ended up doing a trip to the States, actually. Did a month in the States. So I went and spent time with Jeff Vanderstelt and Soma back in the day. Uh, went and did four days with Mars Hill and their team and just really trying to suss out. <coughs> This whole thing. Uh, I did that because we were really young here. So the oldest person was only about five or six years older than me. So I was like, well, if we're going to, you know, we need a home to live in, but I need some, I need some wisdom. So uh, that trip was like, oh, look, there's Ray Ortland. There's, you know, there's just these different guys out there that are much wiser than us and far, far further along. So then felt comfortable, came back, and then started going through the process and, Dave Fandy and Dave and Wilmer have uh, been hugely encouraging on mm. our journey in that. Mm. And uh, yeah. Well, I've been super encouraged being here, um, having been in Sydney and Adelaide, now uh, Brisbane. So many good brothers, mm. uh, so many good brothers and sisters. Yeah. Um, just a lot of exciting gospel work yep. going on in Australia. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's super cool. exciting. Yeah, it is. It's really exciting. <laughs> yeah. Now, uh, I know you have a bit of a uh, experience with uh, anxiety, uh, stress. Um, we opened up by talking about the temptation we have to, to do it ourselves and kind of that burden of, of uh, the weight of church planting. <clears throat> um, can you just talk to us a little bit about uh, your own experience with that? Yeah. So... I think through the transition um, from the previous sort of leadership to, to me, um, obviously that being with my parents, um, there's a lot of complications with that, a lot of difficulties. Uh, I didn't really have any way of dealing with it. So a lot of that I just suppressed and just <clears throat> got over, got over, um, tried to deal with my own heart issues myself. You know, my wife and I just pray, try to exercise forgiveness where we needed to, do repentance where we needed to. Um, it wasn't really until uh, my my parents actually moved on and we sort of did that re restart of the church. Um, I hit a, like a quick 
massive breakdown. So the way that uh, my counsellor has put it, it's like when you go on holiday and you get sick immediately because your body is like, are you good now? Hmm. And so I didn't realise where I was at. I thought I was okay and I was just excited to like, all right, now I get a chance to do this how I feel God's calling me. But six months in, uh, hit a wall, uh, started having huge anxiety attacks without really knowing what they were. Um, had multiple times where I'd uh, woken up, passed out in a pool of, pool of vomit, you know, wow. somewhere down, like just down here at the lake. Uh, that happened once where I'd, I'd gone for a walk, obviously because I was freaking out and then just would pass out. So for the first year, they thought it was heart problems because normally uh, anxiety is, you know, hyperventilation. Uh, mine was sort of like I'm passing out and dropping out. So it took about a year for us to work out, oh, this is a mental health issue, not a not a physical heart issue. And uh, yeah, and those sort of ramped up over a, a period of about uh, 12 months in that in that transition period. So 2015 was pretty much wiped out and uh, had no idea what was going on. Um, my wife was, was pregnant with our fourth. So she was working part-time and really um, just holding the fort at home, loving me, helping me. You know, there were times where I had to call her and go, hey, I'm, I'm stuck here, I, I can't drive, and can you come pick me up? And so she'd have to get all the kids, whack them in the car, drive, pick me up, drive me home. Um, what would it be like when you just you would feel stuck? Like what was your – you were just oh, – you couldn't man. move. Yeah, couldn't move. So, yeah, <clears throat> yeah. and yeah, it would just be like uh, you feel like the whole – room so if I was in a room it would feel like that whole thing is completely caved in on me and pressed in on my chest and I can't actually stand up so I would uh yeah and that's where my the way my mind was was then we'll just shut down just switch off completely and then that's why I'd pass out um so yeah it was it was crazy uh took took a while like through through some really good counseling was able to sort of start to identify what was going on why it was going on um, and what I needed to do and what I should have been doing the whole time. So like you say, you're doing all this stuff on your own. Um, at that time, we had uh, one sort of elder candidate and has become pretty close to my best friend. It's you know, just been amazing since that, but I never lent on him before that. Hmm. So that was the main uh, factor um, in terms of the, the anxiety was you trying to shoulder all of this no. Yeah, and feeling boxed in. Yeah. So it, we went from just an emotional feeling boxed in in terms of I'm stuck in this church, I'm trying to transition it, I'm trying to change it, and I feel like I can't get out or do it my way. And then that turned into a physical experience of being in a room, being on a plane, being in a bus, being in cars. So it's been uh, – so it's 2015. So it's been four years and I've only just started getting back on buses. Wow. Yeah. So wow. when I take my son to the to the footy, yeah. We catch a bus and I take a little tablet and it just helps get me through. So there's still a lot of work to go with it. Wow. Um, but I can be in a cafe now downstairs, no dramas at all. And if anything ever comes up, I know what to do. Yeah. I can walk out of the room and deal initially. So you're yeah. still not over it? No, no. not over it. I uh, still see my counsellor uh, once a month, still on my medication and yeah, still processing all the stuff I need to do and yeah. Why do you think church planters uh, have a tendency to want to kind of do it all? Uh, I think typically I think church planters are just typically driven. So we enjoy doing it, you know, the actual work. Like a lot of people talk about church planning being hard. It's also a lot of fun. 
So I think we, we love to preach. We love to get out there and make things happen. So I think there's an element of, there's a good side to the, to the wanting to do it. It's that dichotomy mm-hmm. of like, we're called to do it. We're called to work hard and we love it. Um, the other side is, uh, I, for, well, for me particularly, it was actually a lack of trust that God actually builds his church. Wow. You know, I could say it and I could preach it. I yeah. could, you know, I can get out Matthew and quote it. Mm. Um, but when it came down to it, um, yeah, it's it's on me. And if I leave, if I don't do this, who's going to do it? Mm-hmm. Um, so really it's pride. Um, and it's interesting because we're, you know, we're supposed to be this gospel tribe and and we are, but there's often a lot of gospel work to be done in our own hearts Yes, where we're like, no, I'm not, you know, God can, but really he needs me. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's a big part of it. And yeah, and then even just delegating, learning to hand things on to other people who may not do it as good as what you think you do it. Um, but realizing that that's actually better for them, it's better for the church, it's yeah. better for you, um, it's healthier. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we're you know, a lot of aspiring planters listening. Uh, listen to this and existing pastors. Um, <clears throat> you mentioned a few practical ways to fight this tendency to try to shoulder everything um, in terms of uh, delegation, having plurality, other rhythms, perhaps that you've learned along the way uh, has your has your week changed has your your calendaring changed uh, any encouragement you would give planters pastors as they think about how to have a, a sustainable long-term mm-hmm. ministry yeah um, any, any any counsel there yeah definitely uh, one thing I wasn't doing was having a whole Saturday with my family uh, so I was doing sermon prep on a Saturday um, after this uh, sort of lull and going down and coming back out and getting back into preaching, um, it was actually put on me uh, by our elder that I was not allowed to do that on a on a Saturday. So he would actually ring my wife and, and regularly check in with her whether I'm having an entire day off to be with the family. Uh, so I found that really hard uh, and, and now it's, it's the funnest day. It's such a great day to be with my family. Uh, my wife and I do more what I would call pillow talk. Uh, she's an early bed girl. I'm a late, stay up late guy. So we we missed simple marital conversations. And as much as I don't want to burden her with with a lot of stuff, uh, she's she's just been someone who I can just regularly talk through stuff. Just be like, hey, how's this going? How am I doing? Giving her that space. Um, and then my my probably my prayer time, devotional time is quite different now. Um, I used to. I used to be able to really do the the half an hour word prayer thing well, <clears throat> nothing throughout the day. So I would just work, 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 work. And then at night, I'm going to open up my Bible and now it's me and God time. Uh, my wife actually was the one who taught me, like, do you actually talk to God throughout your day? I was like, no, I don't. She's like, well, and she's great at that. So she, she actually just helped me to just like, hey, regularly, every few hours, stop pause, reflect, talk to God. Um, And I mean, you know this, you can do that with sermon prep. You sermon prep and you're four hours in, you haven't even spoken to God, you know? So for me, she's been great with that. So one of my rhythms is I try not to go more than four hours with pausing. Pause, 10, 15 minutes, talk to God, pray, thank Him, Hmm. uh, and then get back to work. And then another one that I've just started redoing again is putting my knees on the ground before my feet. Hmm. So in the morning. Hmm. So I've found if my feet hit the ground first, uh, it's it's kids, let's go, breakfast, get ready for school. If my knees hit the ground, it's God. And it's thanking for the day, praying for him, 
to, to use me and encourage me. Um, and I know the weeks that I do that consistently, there's a huge difference in my anxiety levels, my soul, how I feel. Mm. And compared to the the ones that I don't do that, hmm. Hmm. Uh, and that's been hugely helpful. Hmm. I don't know if you've read the book, The Common Rule. No, uh, but uh, it's a book that's uh, similar. The the author hits on some of these subjects hmm. about um, you know trying to build in some practices and essentially habits. Yep. You know, it's kind of the James K. A. Smith on how your habits form your your loves, and he he gets more practical in how he fleshed it out in his own life. And I think what you're describing are those those habits that, um, you know, it's amazing how our regular routines shape us mm. and how it has both spiritual and physiological uh, impact on us. And often we, we do certain things uh, without even thinking about it because it is a habit, yep. you know. And <clears throat> um, the need to, to build healthy habits just can't be overstated yeah you know so whether it is um the kneeling which i love uh, in fact uh, uh the author of that book um i'm losing his name uh, advocates for three times a day you huh. know but also things like turning off your phone a yep. certain time a day yep. um limiting uh how much you consume media during the course of a week yep. taking a day off yep. um uh, reading the bible before you look at your phone you know, huh. things like that. Yeah. Uh, I think it would be really important for people to just to assess what what do I do yeah. on a day-to-day basis yep. and just consider that some of those habits are not healthy yeah. and the, and many of them may have some real damaging effects. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I think that's huge. Um, I, there is a real tendency, I think in church planting especially, to feel the pressure of the first three or four years yep. and it, you feel like it's make or break yeah. and you you don't have a lot of securities that you you do in um, perhaps an established church where you've got people you've got money and yep. and you can kind of look at long term i mean you they're they're hooking up your retirement plan when you you when you you know get one of those jobs at a church but when you're planning a church you're like yeah we got to go man we yeah. got to do we it all yeah and it's yep. really hard to build in sustainable habits yep. Um, so we really advocate for team uh, in our church planters yep. and, and encourage them to think about 30 years and not just three years, yeah. you know, when it yeah, comes to when it comes to church planting. And I get it, man, especially if you're a driven individual, um, doesn't help that you're an athlete. Yeah. Right. And you're or a former athlete. Yeah, right? form, well, <laughs> no, let, let's, let's keep with athlete. I'll, I'll go with that one. I'll take it. Yeah. Uh, but the the idea of hard work is just yeah. second nature. Yeah. Um, you want to succeed, uh, you, you, um, um, yeah. So I, I think, uh, your transparency is super helpful. And, um, I think church planters really need to consider not just, you know, things like a quiet time, but their own daily habits, their yeah. own physiological, um, uh, uh, disciplines, uh, things like exercise, a day off conversation with your wife, um, just having conversation with a friend uh, for an hour, yeah. it, things like that, because ministry can uh, dehumanize us if we don't watch it. Yeah. And you can even, uh, I think, uh, begin to believe that you, you're different than yeah. everybody yeah. else. You, you can actually do more than everybody else, you're, but you can't. Yeah. Um, you are you are still a human therefore you need rest you need sleep you need to play you need to have conversation you need to you know so i think um 
it's a, there's a real temptation to um, have sort of a uh, a view of pastors, and then if we are a pastor, to begin to view ourselves as individuals who produce and who um, you know we produce content, and people begin to see us that way, and it's very dangerous if we we don't begin to first see ourselves as those made in the Imago Day, and uh, we need to experience the stuff of life like everyone else does, or else we'll be we'll be in, in deep trouble. Yeah. Yeah, including our, our families and Absolutely. and uh, our ministries. So may the Lord help us to, yeah. you know, um, have a have a marathon ministry. Yep. So uh, what excites you now about uh, the church, kind of where you're at? Um, testimonies to the Lord's grace. Man, so many things. Uh, we've just planted our first church <clears throat> out of ours beginning this year. So they're uh, up at Calandra. Uh, so it's about 45 minutes north of us. So... For us, that was a huge, uh, huge win to be a small church, part of the X29 church planting network, but actually weren't a church plant itself to kind of be this replant that's then gone on to plant uh, is super exciting. Uh, just seeing a lot of new new families coming through, new, new young adults, young marrieds coming through, um, baptized uh, a couple of people recently. Um, and then we've just we've got non Christians in the room every single week. It's awesome. So you know, and that's just super exciting. How so. does that impact your preaching? Because I, I know you love exposition. And um, talk to us about preaching in a church planting context where you know you've got unbelievers in a, yeah. in a setting. It's um it's been a shift actually to even in my prep think about them. You know, initially it wasn't because you're preaching to just to the to your crowd. Um, so now uh, it starts with prep, you know, praying for them, considering them in, in you know, just the objections to what they're going to think through. Um, so, yeah, thinking on, on those ramps that you've just, you got to take a little off ramp there for a couple of minutes to explain something. Um, but also uh, something I'm trying to do a lot more is just actually acknowledge that they're in the room. So if you're here and you're not a Christian, mm-hmm. yeah. fill, in, fill in the blank. Um if you're here and you're not a Christian, this is why we mm-hmm. do this. And just, just and throughout some of our teams as well, encouraging our, our, our music team just to be like, hey, there's non-Christians coming in the room. Yep. Why don't you explain why we're singing that song? The Christians know it. Mm-hmm. The people in the room don't know why we're singing a song to the son of David. They don't have a clue what that is. Um, so, yeah, we're, we're really at that point where we're just – um, we're thinking through a lot of that and yeah. how much do we say. And then some of our Christians are like, why do we keep repeating these things and just reminding them why as to you know why we're doing that. Yep. Um, you understand it, you're all on board, but there are non-Christians in this room right. who haven't had church experience. And it's a reminder to the Christians, right? You should bring your friends. Yeah. Because I think that's one of the, the great benefits of addressing unbelievers directly is people begin to think, hey, I should have brought so-and-so rather than uh, this massive assumption that everything's for um, believers, right? Yeah. And even just spending ex- that extra bit of time explaining something. So we're preaching through Jonah. So uh, I know in that room, some Christians are like, is that legit? Is that not legit? But I know every non-Christian is like, that is not legit. Yeah. That didn't happen. <clears throat> so just give them some time there to explain, are we supposed to take this literally or not? And show them that we, we even are willing to wrestle with that question ourselves yeah. and think through that, you know? Um, yeah, so there's lots of – we got ways to go in improving on that, but, um, yeah, it definitely makes a difference. Man, planting churches, baptizing people, preaching to unbelievers, and all of that after a, a really tough season. Mm. Uh, the Lord has brought you through yeah. and uh, still 
still dealing with uh, a lot of challenges like the rest of us. Yep. But it's great to see you, bro. Yeah, and, me too, uh, man. Just great to to be here, to see what's going going on down under. Yep. Um, haven't seen any Outback Steakhouses. I have seen a Target and an IKEA, but no Outback. Okay. Yeah. 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 Uh, they, they don't exist. Oh, do uh, they? they do. They do. They're, I'm pretty sure there's. Is there? An, there might be one down the coast. I think. Okay. All right. But typically, no, because yeah. we kind of have our own. You know, yeah. that's your thing over there, which that's is... Our th- you guys so don't even know what a blooming onion is, do you? <laughs> no, <laughs> I don't. I don't even know what you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. But, but man, thanks so much for uh, spending some time with us and just pray the Lord will continue to, to have his hand upon uh, the work here. Yeah. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. It's been good to be with you.